You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. our disappointments with a wonderful magnificent blessing these blessings are even greater than we can ever think or imagine if God says no to you you can mope you can turn away from God or you continue to seek him maybe your vision is for someone else and the Lord will see to it that you help that person I love what one commentator said quote you can sulk or seek it's always your choice you can sulk or you can seek When God says no to a dream, a deep desire in your heart that you believe is for God, what's your response? Today, Pastor Dave will encourage you to remember all of God's blessings instead. Continue to seek after Him and trust Him. He may say no to something good, but lead to something even better. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 17 as he continues his message, The Davidic Covenant. Nathan receives this message for the king from the Lord. The Lord came to Nathan that very night and said, you got to go tell David, my servant, thus says the Lord, you're not building me a house. The answer from God was quite clear. No. David, you're not going to build me a house. And notice, there isn't any explanation. We find out later an explanation, but there's no explanation, just a simple, loving, firm No. You might be dealing with shattered dreams yourselves. You might be dealing with shattered plans. You might be dealing with shattered desires or shattered disappointment. You might feel that God has let you down. You might feel that God is angry at you. You might feel all these things. Sometimes God says no. It's not God's plan for you to do those things. But our hearts might be set on something that is not of God. And if we push and push and push, God may let you do that to watch you suffer and fail so that you'll come back to him and go, what happened? What's wrong? To allow him to show you. It may be part of your training. But God had a better plan for David. God had a much better plan for David. And when God says no to you, you can guarantee that he has something better. He has something better down the pike for you. So you need to listen He might say no to one thing, but there's always something else waiting in the wings. And I guarantee if you wait for it, it's going to be so much better. So much better. So the message now comes to David, and it comes in three parts. It comes in three parts. And in verses 5 and 6, we see the first part of the message where God basically reminds David of all that he ever did for him and telling him that at no time did he ever ask anyone to build him a house. He never asked anybody to build him a house. Hang on, let's go to five and six. For I have, he says, for I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought up Israel, even to this day, but have gone from tent to tent and from one tabernacle to another. 
Wherever I have moved about with all Israel, have I ever spoken a word or say to the judges of Israel whom I command to shepherd my people saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? So God is saying, now I asked Moses to build a house for me, a tabernacle, a place. Yes, I did. And I am perfectly satisfied to live in this, this house right now, this tent, and travel with the people wherever they go. So the Lord says, I never asked you to build me a house. One commentator said, quote, David wanted to do more than God had commanded. This is a wonderful place to be in our relationship with God, but sadly, most of us are stuck in thinking, how little can I do to please the Lord? That we never really want to do more than God commands. But God said no to David. God said no to David. Now the temple would be built. And we're going to get to that in a minute. The temple would be built. This beautiful, magnificent temple would be built. So the first part of the message was God saying, I've never asked anybody to build me a house. Why do you want me to build, why do you want to build a house? I didn't ask you one. The second part of his message is, one thing that I love about God is he reminds David of all the things that he did for him. He reminds David of all the faithfulness that God had towards him, all the wonderful things he'd done. Let's look at 7 and 8. Now, therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a name like the name of the great men who are all over of the earth. God is telling him, yo, David, I did so much for you right now, but he calls him what I love about this scripture, what about this verse in verse 7. I loved it. He says, now, therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David. Oh, long to hear those words. My servant. Long to have the Lord look at you and go, my servant. You know, we all long to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. We all long to hear those things. But David heard that. My servant David. Wow. That's beautiful stuff. David, you're a shepherd. I called you out of the sheepfold because I saw your heart. I looked at your heart and I said, now there's a man who has a heart left for me and I can use him and he's going to let me use him. He's going to do great things for my people. I saw you protect those sheep. When they strayed off, you gave your heart for them and you went after them. You protected them with your life. You stood in front of them and the, and the wolves as they came and you warded off the wild animals. I saw all that, David. I watched you. And I knew that if you cared that much for those animals, you would care even more for my people. You would care even more for my sheep. My sheep. So I took you out of the sheepfold. Now, now that Israel has a land of peace, they need a caring leader, not a temple. And that's why God called David. He wanted David to shepherd his people full time. They need a shepherd. They need someone to guide them to me. They need someone to be spiritual leader to them and help them. Not only did I remove you from the sheepfold, but I went before you and took care of all your enemies. I took care of all your enemies that came against you. He says, I've always been with you, David. I've always protected you, and I'm helping you to prosper. I even made your name great among all the kings of the earth. Wow. Whew. I think that we really need to look and remember all the things the Lord has done for us. 
I think we need to go back and we look and starting at the cross with salvation. Look at all the things that he has done for us. Go back and think of the things that he's kept you from. The tragedies that he's kept you from. How he's brought you through this one and brought you through that one. Yes, there's been hardships along the way. I won't deny it. There will be suffering and there are hardships along the way. And that too is going to happen. But besides the greatest gift of salvation, you can see throughout Scripture, there's about 75 or so blessings that Christ came to give us. There's about 75 blessings that you can then, and a lot of them are found in the first chapters of Ephesians. No coincidence there. And I think that we need to remind ourselves sometimes. We need to remind ourselves, just like the Lord is reminding David of all the things he's accomplished in his life. David, look back on all the things that I did for you. Look back at how I protected you. Look back at how I did you all the time that Saul wanted to kill you. Saul threw three spears at you, and they never hit you. I protected you, and Saul wanted to kill you. I protected you from the Philistines when you went down there and acted like a madman. I protected you here and protected you there. God's hand was upon us. We need to look back and remember God has his hand upon us, and he's protecting us. And nothing is going to happen to us unless it's sifted through God's hand, and he allows it. The Lord had already told them in Deuteronomy 12 that he would establish a center for worship. He would do that. But it would come a time when he himself would choose a spot in the land of promise, in the land of Canaan, where the people could seek him continually. But that was in the future. But David, I'm sorry, bud. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. So, what was David's choice? Could have threw himself on the floor and pounded his feet and pounded his fists and, oh yeah, well I'm going to hold my breath till I get what I want. David didn't do that. David didn't do that. God continues. And the third part of the message to King David is a wonderful blessing known as the Davidic covenant. The Davidic covenant where God now makes a covenant with David. An everlasting covenant. A covenant that is so incredibly strong that we take part of it. That we can take part of this covenant. And even though God said no to David, he never says no coldly. Instead, he whispers into your heart that is attentive to his word, it's okay. It's all right. This isn't going to work out, but oh, what I have for you. This isn't going to go too well, but you're going to love this when I give it to you. Hang in there. Keep faith. Be steadfast and immovable. Don't worry. Don't fret. I got this under control. You continue to seek me. You continue to look to me. You continue to desire me. Let me work. Let me work here. How many times does God tell us that? And we go, but Lord, I need to take care of this. The Lord says, well, have at it, big guy. Doesn't usually end up well. God says to David, I'm going to build you a house. Let's finish out. Moreover, in verse 9, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them 
and they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them anymore as previously. Since, that, since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel. Also, I will subdue all your enemies. Furthermore, I will tell you that the Lord will build you a house. And it shall be when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you, who will be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son, and I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him who was before you. And I will establish him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine hearing that from the Lord? Wow. Wow. I looked at this scripture, and I looked at what was he saying and how he establishes this temple that he's going to make in his people. And it's in Ephesians in chapter 2, verses 19 to 22, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Ephesian church, says this, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We are the temple of God. God has built us the temple. He has placed the temple within us through Jesus Christ. I love this. It's always interesting to me that when the Lord says no, he tempers our disappointments with a wonderful, magnificent blessing. These blessings are even greater than we can ever think or imagine. If God has says no to you, you can mope, you can turn away from God, or you continue to seek him. Maybe your vision is for someone else, and the Lord will see to it that you help that person. I love what one commentator said, quote, you can sulk or seek. It's always your choice. You can sulk or you can seek. But before you turn away from him, before you turn away from him because he said no to you, before you allow resentment to creep into your life, before you get angry at him for not giving you what you wanted, I suggest that you go to his word and you search out again all the blessings that you have in Jesus Christ, particularly Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Read it and let it sink into you and realize what God has given you already. Everything for life and godliness, Peter says. Everything according to his purpose. Everything you can think of God has given to you. He has given us a capacity to know him. And that gives us dignity upon our lives, which we once didn't have because of our sin. He's given us the right to become children of God. He's given us the right to be his kids. God cared so much for us that he gave his only son to die for us on a cross. That each of us and every one of us, even after we trample on him, even after we spat upon him, even after we used his name in vain, and even after we did horrible things in sin, he gave us his blood as the new covenant pouring upon us. God denies David's request to build him a house. 
But God rewards David with even greater resolve. He rewards him with something that even, even greater. No, David, you can't build me a house because I'm going to build you a house. Of course, God is talking not about a house made with hands. He's talking about a beautiful, wonderful kingdom of the Lord. God specifically promised a monarchy for the house of David, a dynasty, if you will, directly coming from David's seed. And it was important to God for God to repeat this promise specifically because there had never been a king succeeded by a son in Israel. Who was the first king? Saul. What happened to him and his sons? They died. There was no one else on to come up and take the throne. Their family was basically extinct. But he said to the family of David, you are going to remain. Someone will be on your throne forever. He's talking about Jesus Christ coming and sitting on the throne of David. From your seed, David, will come the true king of Israel. This is the Davidic covenant, and, and David is kind of scratching his head here. There will come one after you, long after you. He will be from your seed. He will build the house in my name, and his kingdom will last forever. The family of David ruled over Israel for more than four centuries, but was eventually removed because of evil added upon evil. Yet out of that stem, out of that stump of Jesse, God raised up a new branch. God raised up a new branch that's going to live and reign forever. In the book of Isaiah, talks greatly about this. Specifically, let's look at Isaiah 11. Isaiah 11, I'm just going to read two verses, one and two. And there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall be a rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. So he's talking about the Messiah. I will be his father, and he will be my son. Now, how do I know that applies to Jesus Christ? Because the writer of Hebrews in chapter 1, verse 5 says so. He takes that and applies it to Jesus Christ. God promised David that the reign of his dynasty would last forever. Forever. With each of these great promises now were partially fulfilled. Each of these great promises were partially fulfilled in David's son by Bathsheba, Solomon. David's son, his successor. Solomon ruled on David's throne. God's mercies never departed from Solomon, though he sinned greatly. And Solomon built God a magnificent temple, a beautiful, beautiful temple. But the prophets foretold of a greater fulfillment of this promise, a greater fulfillment. In Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6, it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute righteousness in the earth. Now this is his name by which he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7 probably on a trillion Christmas cards. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, upon a throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it from that time forward even forevermore. Luke 1, 31 to 33, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. 
He will be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Wow. God's promise to a house for David is completely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Completely fulfilled. Jesus does reign and will reign on that throne forever. The Father's mercies never departed from Jesus, even when he became sin for us. The Father's mercies never departed from him. The writer of Hebrews, which I believe is the Apostle Paul, wrote in chapter 3, Verse 3 to 6 says this thing, For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in his house as a servant, for a testimony to those things which would be spoken of afterward. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast to the confidence and rejoicing of the hope, firm to the end. I love it. I love it. First Peter 2, verse 5, says, Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Sometimes when you're going through a difficult time, God's answer will be no in your life. God will tell you no. And it's something that you have to reconcile within your heart. It's not because he's a mean God. It's not because he's trying to be vindictive towards you. Because if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, your sins have been taken away. Your sins have been washed clean. But it's not his will. We don't know why God doesn't always heal, except the true and wonderful healing that we have when we're in heaven. The perfect healing when we go to heaven. But he does heal sometimes. He's sovereign. He has compassion on whom he has compassion. He has mercy on whom he has mercy. But through Jesus Christ, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we have all things that pertaining to life and godliness. God has given us those things freely through his grace and through his mercy that we can enjoy right now. We don't have to wait. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven to enjoy these things. We can enjoy it right now, right in today. Remember the next time you feel like God is saying no. Don't give up. Don't stop believing in him. Don't stop trusting in him. Don't stop praying in him. Because when he says no to this thing, that usually means that there's something better down here. And you need to be faithful. Don't give up before the prize. Some people give up when they're this far away from the prize. They quit. Don't give up. Don't give up trusting and praying. Regardless of what it may look like, always pray that God will do what he is trying to accomplish in you. He who began the work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's a promise we have. He will complete the work. He will complete the work. You are a sure.
You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave has been making his way through the book of 1 Chronicles. I don't know about you, but the first thing I think of with this book is history, ancient history. I think of the stories of King David. But as I read through it today, I noticed how many verses there are that proclaim the goodness of God and give Him glory. Verses like 1 Chronicles 16, 29-31, which say, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him, all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. David had brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, and the first response he and the people had to the presence of God was to worship Him. We want to be worshipers just like David was, and you're invited to join us. A Sure Hope comes to you out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. And if you're in the area, we would love to worship God together with you this weekend. Our services are held at 8.30 and 10.30 on Sunday morning. You can find all the information you need at assurehoperadio.com. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. And if you can't make it in person, we stream our services live to Facebook and YouTube. That's all for today. But we hope to see you again next time as we rest together in a sure hope.